And Father, I pray for a quickening in people's emotions, those that have been downtrodden by the circumstances of life, those that are down. We pray that you would lift each and every one of them up today. May there be a lifting by the resurrection of Christ from the dead. May there be a restoration of people's souls. May there be a conversion of their soul. Lord, as they look into the perfect law of liberty, may that spirit of liberty hit them today. May that spirit of freedom rise up on the inside and quicken their minds and quicken their souls. In the name of Jesus, we speak to any manner of oppression. We speak to any manner of depression. We speak to all manner of that which would bring people down, and we rebuke it in Jesus' name. And now, Father, quicken them in their souls. Quicken them in their minds. Quicken them in their visions. Quicken them in their dreams, Lord. My word, the word of the Lord today is hope thou in God. For I'm going to yet praise him. For you are the health of my countenance. You are the glory and you are the lifter up of my head. You are my lifter, Lord. Thank you, Father. Come on, let's praise him today. Glory to God. Oh, restoration. Restoring. Restoring, hallelujah, increasing and multiplying and causing those dead dreams to come alive. Causing hope that is faded to be crystallized and made clear once again by the spirit of the living God. Father, we thank you that we have a living hope. This hope that we have on the inside of us is alive. Because you are alive. Because you raised from the dead, we have hope. Thank you, Father. May the God of hope fill every person in this auditorium. Fill them with a renewed sense of purpose. Fill them with a renewed sense of joy in believing. That we all may abound and bubble over with the hope of God on the inside. And we praise you and we give you glory now. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and I say, I receive that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you receive it today? Woo, glory. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Everyone say, Restore. Restore. Mm -hmm. If you want to hear some good teaching... On the subject of restoration, and if you want to experience the spirit of restoration, be here on Wednesday nights. We're doing a long-term series on the subject of restoration. And I'm telling you, the last two Wednesday nights, things are changing in this church. Amen. Things are changing. There is a, there's a dimension, there's a depth of the spirit that is getting stronger and stronger and stronger every time when we come together. And it's, it's, it's awesome to be in church on Sunday mornings, and it's wonderful. And I know people's schedules are busy. And I'm not trying to sell you on a series, because, you know, we give our teaching free away anyway. And I'm not trying to sell you on being, being in church or scold you for not being in church. But I'm telling you, the wind is changing. Yeah. There's things that are happening. Glory. And, and you want to be a part of it. 
And so if you can't be here Wednesday nights, at least make sure that you download them off of iTunes or that you go get a CD and that you keep up and you stay up with what the Holy Spirit is saying to us in this church. Amen. Amen? Amen. He's good. My God is good. Not some of the time, but my God is good all the time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Master. Amen. And so now the condition of our spiritual life or the condition of our spirit can greatly affect our lives. I believe that as born-again believers that we are to be in training, not in trying. There's a world of difference between trying and being in training. How many of you ever have tried to run a marathon? Or one morning you woke up and said, you know what, I like that violin over there, I'm going to try that. Huh? Or how about uh, you want to speak French and you wake up one day and you know, you you know, parlez-vous français and merci and all that. And that's about all you know. You don't try to learn French. You got to train to learn it. Isn't that right? You don't try to run a marathon. You've got to train to run a marathon. And we don't try to condition our spirit. You see, trying is episodic. But training is consistent. And so I believe that the spirit of the living God is the greatest and best trainer known to all mankind. And guess what? He lives on the inside of us. He's been there before. He'll encourage you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll show you what to do. And I believe that he'll keep you on track. Amen. 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 So say it with me. I'm not a trier of the word. But I am a doer of the Word of God. And so last week, you know, we've been talking about how tough times don't last. Amen. We can endure. And it's not so much the problem that arises that comes against us. The, the real question is, is what is the condition of our spirit? For it is the strong spirit of man that will sustain him or her in their infirmity. In the time of adversity. Or it is a healthy spirit that will see us through all the way to the other side. And so we talked then about how that we can train, how that we can develop, and how that we can strengthen our spirit. By the Holy Spirit, obviously. And by the grace of God. Paul said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But then there's some things that, that we can do on a regular basis. Number one... Read and feed the Word of God into your spirit. Amen? Read and feed the Word of God into your spirit. Number two, process the Word that you've read. Now, the way that we process the Word that we read and we feed is by meditation, right? Now, we know scriptures on the subject of meditation. Psalms 1 and Joshua 8. Look it up sometime. Joshua 1, 8. Psalms 1. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law does He meditate therein day and night. Amen. And so as he meditates therein day and night, his leaf will not wither. Hallelujah. And whatever he does shall prosper. So meditating the word of God is really processing the word. And I encourage you last week, don't try to get into this marathon of reading the word where you read 10 or 15 chapters a day and you're just so glad you're done, but you're not retaining anything that you read. So take a scripture or take three or four scriptures a day, read them, process them, and then number three, act on them. 
That's the third way that you develop a strong spirit is by acting on the word of God. Now look at Matthew chapter 7, if you would, and notice with me in verse 24. And we see in verse 24 through 27, it deals with uh, talking about being a doer of the word of God. Amen. Matthew 7, 24 from the NLT says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, 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 he is wise. He's like a person who builds his house on solid rock. I love the solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the, weed and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. You know, Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Amen? But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. It's like a person who's built his house on the sand. When the rains and floods come and the weeds, uh, winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So we all know that in life, storms come and storms go, right? Yeah. And they don't last if and only if we are prepared. Otherwise, a storm can be extremely devastating. You have discovered that storms do not come, or storms can come, rather, without warning. And so it's good to be prepared. Now listen to how Jesus said this, same Jesus that said that, in another version. He said, he's like a person building his house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. Now, what kind of person are you? Are you a wise person or are you a foolish person? I am a wise person. You are a wise person. And so as a wise person, we built our house on a firm foundation. That's not just receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but that's following his teachings and following the word of God. And by the best of the ability that God has given us and by the grace of God, actually being a doer of God's word. And so when those things come against our lives, we're never happy to see a storm coming. But if we're prepared, we can smile. Why? Because we know that God will sustain us. And God will see us through. And we will not go under. We'll go over. Because you and I are overcomers. Say with me real strong. I am an overcomer. And I overcome. By reading. Processing. And doing the Word of God. Now, don't you know that God has never, ever tried to hide the fact that the storms of life are part of life? No. Has He? No, He hasn't. Now, there are three storms that I see in the Word that call for a different action. They all call for an action, but they're different actions that are called for and were acted upon to enable these to overcome the storm. 
The first one is found in Mark chapter 4, and I want to look at verses 35 through 41. Mark chapter 4, and we notice in verse 35 through 41. This is the account where Jesus told the disciples, hey, guys, we're fixing to go to the other side. You know, when Jesus said we're going to the other side, praise God, we're going to make it to the other side. Now, there's times that it looks a whole lot like we ain't going to make it to the other side. Especially when a great storm, a mega storm, comes and fills the boat up with water. And it feels like, you know what, we're about to sink. The disciples looked at each other, we're about to sink. And they said, do you think? <laughs> yeah, they're about to, about to sink. Turn it over to verse 37, if you would. He told him to go to the other side. When Jesus said, we're going, we're going. Say it with me. God's commands are God's enablements. Now look at verse 37, if you would. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. I like the master. He's resting right in the midst of the storm. And they woke him up and said, teacher, do you not care? That we are perishing. Next verse. Then he arose, and what did he do? He rebuked the wind. Let me ask you a question. Could they have done that? Why didn't they do it? They were thinking. They were thinking, we're sinking. (laughs) And so they woke Jesus up in panic. says, don't you care that we're about to perish? Jesus, you know, woke up. He got up. And he rebuked, let's look at back 39. Let's look at back for 39. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And what was there? So there was a great storm, right? But when he rebuked the storm, there was a great calm. Now what I want you to see, the key then to overcoming this storm was rising up and taking our dominion and taking our authority. It is very important that when things come against our life, especially when you know you've got a word from God, that you stand up, if you will, in your boat, amen, in the boat of your life, and declare in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this storm that's coming against me. I take my dominion over this, and by God's grace, we're going to the other side. So, in dealing with those kinds of storms, authority must be exercised. Authority must be exercised. Or dominion must be utilized. And you have that dominion. And you have that authority. We know that we do. Because he said us in Luke 10, he said, Behold, I give to you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And he said, Not over half of the power of the enemy, but I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Then he said, Guess what? Nothing's going to hurt you. Nothing's going to hurt you. Authority that is exercised, dominion that is utilized, will take you to the other side. Yes, amen. Amen? amen? But now we don't have to wake Jesus up to do it for us. No, Jesus is saying to us, sons, daughters, wake up. Yeah, I'm in you. And rise up mm-hmm. and use what I've given you. 
You've been given the name above every name. Now, the second storm that I see in the Word of God is the storm that Jonah faced. Now, if you know anything about Jonah, you know that Jonah was charged by the Lord to go to a place called Nineveh, right? So, instead of going to Nineveh and obeying the Lord, Jonah boarded a ship to go to Tarshish. In other words, he went the exact opposite direction that the Lord told him to go. The wrong crew, the wrong direction, the wrong boat. You know you can get in a lot of trouble heading in the wrong direction with the wrong crew. And then, you know, there's this great big storm that comes along, right? You're familiar with the story. And uh, the captain of the ship and the mariners, you know, they're trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And then they discovered that Jonah is sleeping. And they said, oh, sleeper, why are you sleeping? And so they discovered that the sleeper was heading in the wrong direction, and he was the cause of the storm. So it was uh, Jonah's sin and Jonah's disobedience that caused the storm. So what did they do with Jonah? They picked Jonah up and they threw him out. And as Jonah went out, Shamu was waiting for him. (laughs) Amen. And Shamu swallowed Jonah. I know it's a great fish. I know it wasn't Shamu, but can we just have a little fun today? So, So Shamu's out there and he's waiting for Jonah. And we know that Jonah had a wake-up call. The Bible says that God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed. Hey. Then Jonah prayed. If you find yourself in a situation that perhaps your sin and your disobedience caused it, I got a word for you. Pray. And part of your praying should be help. (laughs) So Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. Now, you'll notice if you take time this afternoon to look at Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 2. In Jonah chapter 2, he did some serious praying. And he also did some serious praising. So repenting and praying and praising in some situations is the only way out of a storm and the only way out of a smelly fish's belly. (laughs) Repentance and praise sickened Shamu. (laughs) Amen? It sickened Shamu. And the Bible says, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah unto dry land. Hallelujah. Jonah is an example for us. I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody today. I'm not saying you're in sin. I'm not saying you're in disobedience. And I think it's very often unkind to assume that people are just because they're going through a tough time. But only you know, and you know, and it's between you and God, right? 
And I also think it's very unkind to come along with someone and say, you know, where's your faith at? You know, if you had faith, you wouldn't be in this situation. Well, you don't know everything that person's gone through. And you don't walk in their shoes. And so it pays us rich dividends to make sure that we're walking in love. Now, the third storm is a storm. Number one, you've got to rebuke the first storm. The second storm, there needs to be some repentance. But in some storms, how many of you know, you just got to ride it out. You just have got to ride it out. As much as you would like for the storm to be over with yesterday, there are some storms that last for a period of time. Now, the subject that we want to look at is the Apostle Paul. How many of you remember that the Apostle Paul, he was on his way to Rome, right? And he told the people, the captain of the ship, he said, don't sail right now. It's not a good time to sail. In other words, wait for a period of time. But, you know, the Bible says that the south wind blew softly. And, of course, you know, people that are in the flesh are led by the flesh. And they were led by the fact that everything looked good on the outside. So they set out and they started sailing. And as they were sailing, the Bible says there came a great storm. As a matter of fact, the name of that storm was Eurekledon. It doesn't sound good, does it? Eurekledon is a storm with mucho bad intentionos. Mucho bad intentions. Pretty good, huh? Thank you. (laughs) Really bad intentions. And Paul went to him after an angel showed up. The Bible says after many days, I mean, it was many days. They, they just wrote it out. They wrote it out and they wrote it out. But Paul had an angel show up and said, don't be afraid. Be a good cheer. For you must be. You're on your way to Rome and you must go before Caesar in Rome. And so Paul says, sirs, hey. Even though I perceived that this voyage and this trip was going to be with much damage, the angel of whose God I am and whom I serve stood by me this night and told me not to fear. We're going to make it through. Now, the question I have for you is, did they make it through overnight? They did not make it through overnight. There was trouble all the way, but they didn't lose their lives. And so in this particular storm, the Apostle Paul just had to write it out and sometimes we find ourselves in situations because of other people's decisions and bad decisions that brings a storm into our family or brings a storm into our life but i know that i know that my savior lives and my redeemer lives and i know that my god is good and that his hand is upon me and regardless of what's going on around me i'm going to ride this storm out and i'm going to make it to rome hallelujah i'm going to make it to rome So storm number one, rebuke. Storm number two, repent. And storm number three, just ride it. Ride it out. Amen? Amen. So I want to say to you this morning, avoid all the storms you can. Escape what you can. And endure what you have to. Bottom line is this. God's going to be with you and his grace will be enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So with all of that being said, then we do the word, we 
We, we read the Word, we feed the Word, we process the Word, we pray in the Spirit, we instantly obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. We do our level best to be smack dab in the center and in the will of God. But the truth of the matter is, unless we stay on top of these things, it's very easy to leak. How many of you ever uh, got a bathtub at home and you started running a bath and, you know, five minutes later you went in there and it's empty? And you, you know, turned up a little bit and five minutes later you went in there and it's empty. Guess what? You forgot to plug the drain. And there are some things in our life that can drain us and cause us to leak if we'll not stay on top of them. Amen? So the, for the time we have left this morning, I want to deal with just one of those areas, and it's a very familiar area that many people are acquainted with. Amen? There are things that can increase our strength, and there are things that can decrease our strength. Sin decreases strength. Disobedience decreases strength. Bad decisions can dis- uh, affect our strength. How many of you know that people can drain you? Don't look at your neighbor. Just kidding. Now, there's, there's about four types of people. Listen to this. There's adders. There's subtractors. There's multipliers. And there's dividers. I want to encourage you to maximize the adders and multipliers in your life. And minimize the subtractors and the dividers. Because the subtractors and the dividers will do this. They will take strength and hope out of you and literally hurt you. So now one of, the, one of the biggest ones I think that everyone here has to deal with, some maybe more than others, one of the biggest ones is the cares of this life. Amen? How many of you know that we're not equipped to carry the cares of this life? What do the cares of life do, us, do for us? Nothing. When did worrying about your body ever do you any good? When did worrying about your finance ever cause a financial breakthrough? No. Worry is an enemy of our faith. It is an enemy of God. See, when, when we are loaded down with the cares of this life, it drains us of strength. I want you to look over at a, at a couple of scriptures with me, if you would, this morning. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, and notice with me in verse 7 and in verse 8. I'm going to look at the amplified version of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. It says, now casting the whole of your care, how many of your anxieties? All of them. All your worries, all your concerns, and how often are we to do this? Once and for all, this is a decision that you can make to live this way. Now, why? Well, we sang about how much He loves us today. Why? Because He cares for us affectionately and cares about us watchfully. Man, I love that. I thank God that the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. And He wants to show Himself strong on my behalf and in your behalf. He's watching over your life. He's the bishop of your soul. Hallelujah. Verse 8. Be well balanced and temperate and sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that any enemy of yours, the enemy, roams around like a roaring lion in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon 
and to devour. Thomas translation, the devil is looking for lunch. He's hungry. He is a loser. He is a bully. Anybody ever faced a bully at, in the lunchroom? Trying to take your money, take your milk, take your food. Well, that's what the enemy is about. And what he does is he goes after the weak. He goes after the wounded. And he goes after those who stray away from God. The Bible says, cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it, and my Father will sustain us. Amen. Cast means to throw. Cast means to to literally just throw upon all your cares upon God. It's like a in the natural realm, if you've ever had a spider get on your neck, you don't say, oh, I wonder what kind of spider that is. Let's, let's put this spider under the microscope and see what kind of spider, how many legs does it have? Now, what do you do with that spider? You squash it, you cast it on the Lord. Amen. You cast it on the wall. <laughs> That's what you do with spiders. Now listen, in His grace, He gives us all the strength we need to deal with whatever may come our way. Say it with me. His love is enough. His strength is enough for whatever I may be facing. Worry is an old Anglo-Saxon word. Listen what worry means. Anxiety means to strangle or to choke. To strangle or to choke. The cares of this life entering in and choke the word. You all heard of Corrie ten Boom, right? Corrie ten Boom said this. She said, worry chokes the joy out of living. Another person said this. Worry does not empty today of its sorrow. It empties tomorrow of its strength. Worry, anxiety, empties tomorrow of its strength. George Mueller said this. He was a man of God that was used mightily of God to feed orphans. And he just believed God. And here's what he said. He said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of faith is the end of anxiety. Now, part of the problem with problems is that they come in groups. You ever notice sometimes it just seems like this is going on and that's going on. And it's kind of like the enemy offers a package deal. And the package includes fear. And the fear is designed to drain you, both naturally and physically. Fear is what keeps people from eating. It keeps people from sleeping. It keeps people from thinking right. It's very important that we are armed with an arsenal of scriptures concerning fear. Did you know that over 365 times in the Bible... The Word of God talks about fear not. Just a few of them are Psalms 118. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? 
I'm not afraid because he is with me. I'm not afraid because he's upholding me. I'm not afraid because he's strengthening me. I fear not because God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. I fear not because I've got faith on the inside of me that overcomes every fear. And this faith that God has given me will always overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. I am not afraid because I've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. So you need to arm yourself with the word of God. The Lord is my light. He is my salvation. Therefore, I will not fear. Though the mountains be removed and melted and waxed into the sea, I'll not be afraid. Ten thousand that may fall at my right hand and a thousand at my left, but it'll not come nigh me. The Lord's for me. He's on my side. I refuse to fear. Woo! Glory to God. I'm not afraid of ISIS. I'm not afraid of terrorism. I'm not afraid of the tribulation. That by the way, I don't believe we're going to go through. Hallelujah. I'm going air express. I'm going air rapture. Hallelujah. I'm going to fly out of here. Glory to God with you. Amen. Amen. So to fend off fear then, we must be strong in faith. Now listen, I've... I brought my Kenneth Copeland Bible with me this morning. And I just want to read in closing a couple of things that he says concerning faith versus fear. This is really powerful. He said, how does faith work? He says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Brother Copeland says that faith is developed through meditating and acting on God's word. He went on to say that faith is applied of speaking of those things that are not as though they were. He said, how does fear work? Exactly the opposite. It's the law of reciprocals. Faith and fear are opposite forces. Amen? Amen. He said, how does fear work? He says, fear works and comes by hearing the word of the world. He said, fear is developed through meditating and acting on Satan's lies. He says, fear is applied by speaking of those things that are not as though they were. Brother Copeland says that fear demands compromise, and Satan supports and develops fear, whereas Jesus is the author and developer of our faith. They're exact opposite of one another. They're on the other end of the spectrum. So for every lie that comes to the city of your soul, God's got a truth that overcomes the lie. For every fear of disease, there's a scripture that says, by his stripes you're healed. For every storm that tells you you're going down, God's got a promise that says, you're the head, not the tail. I'm upholding you. I'm going to cause you to overcome. Amen. Fear is released by believing and speaking. Faith is released by believing and speaking. You've got a choice which way you're going to live. You've got a choice whose words you're going to live by. As for me and my house, and as for me and this church, and as for me and this staff, we've chosen words of life, words of health, words of strength, words of prosperity, words that overcome every fear-giving lie that the enemy brings. Amen. And so, when you give it to the Lord, keep putting the word in. 
Keep putting the Word in. Keep processing the Word. Keep acting on the Word. Keep praying in the Spirit. Keep obeying the Holy Spirit. And the condition of your heart will be healthy. For it is the strong spirit of man that's going to sustain you.